We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck-on messes, and they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. This is Rams Uncensored with this this just the, like that whole I, I don't know it just makes Brian Juano. I am in the cornfield looking at you right now. Tommy Avance. I want to host a, a radio show, but I stutter. And Mark Luhan. You blending up those Krispy Kreme donuts and juicing that? You have now entered the danger zone. I'll give you a virtual hug, too. Are you ready? Henry, what's going on, man? It's Brian calling you from Ramsland Center. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. It's been a long time. I know we talked uh, a couple of years ago when I used to write for Cover 32, but uh, it's great to have you on the show, man. I know you, you're a Rams great. You're a Ram legend. You played for the Rams till 1993. I know you had a couple of years with the Redskins. You're a semifinalist for the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Henry, tell us, tell us uh, how are you feeling about the season coming up? I'm excited from what I've seen uh, over the last year, especially after last year's finish. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to watching them take to the next step and then finally win another Super Bowl. So with that being said, the the Super Bowl last year, what did you see from the Rams in, like, 
you know, you saw him all season and you see him going to the Super Bowl and it was just like, it wasn't the right, something was wrong. What, what did you see with that game? Like, when you're playing the winning the Patriots, it just, it's, it's amazing uh, with that organization. And of course, it speaks for itself how many times they've won. And they know what it takes to adjust. And they, they're great at making adjustments from the first half to the second half. And they've done a great job. Um, my coach in uh, AFC with Jet, we've had a chance to go up there against these guys all the time. And you play them once during the season, it's one thing. But to play them in the playoffs and especially in the it's a whole nother uh, situation. And you just got to take your hat off to them because they make great adjustments. And that's why they're the championship uh, caliber team that they are and how many Super Bowls they won because they know how to make those adjustments. They've been there and they've done it uh, many times. But you, you, you chalk it up to experience. No, absolutely. I'm with you on that. So um, I'm going to introduce you. We have uh, Tommy Avance on the line as well with uh, Mark Lujan. Uh, guys, say hi to... Henry. Welcome to the show, Henry. Nice to uh, finally get to talk to you. I'm glad to have glad to be here, that's for sure. Yeah, Henry, pleasure having you on tonight. Thank you for giving us the time. Not a problem. So, Henry, this is so gentlemen. We want to do something a little different um, today. Instead of have a bunch of questions from us personally, um, we took a bunch of questions from the Rams Twitter universe over the last 24 hours and would like to ask you some questions from the guys on Twitter. So first question is from at Skyatola. Um, he's one of the, actually, he's one of the melon heads that sits in the end zone with the watermelons on their head. He's a pretty good dude. I know him personally. So his question, um, he's been a Ram fan his whole life too. And his question is, what was it like playing in a Zampezi offense? I think what it just, uh, it kicked off my career is this what it did. And I mean, to be in an offense from the time that he came in to the time left and he went to Washington with North Turner, it was the same offense. So it really jump-started my career. And I tell you what, it wasn't for that. I don't know if I'll even be mentioned as far as even, you know, being considered for uh, for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's awesome getting started on, on that note. So Eric Rodriguez at Spidey69. Uh, his question is, have you ever attended any games at the Coliseum since the Rams have returned home to L.A.? And if so, what game was it, and how did you enjoy the environment? I was actually just able to only go to, to one game, which was against the 49ers. I think it was two years ago, the last game of the year. Um, and just being back in L.A., it, it just felt like home. And of course, we played in Anaheim Stadium be, uh, before they left. But just having them back, in Southern California, it just was a great feeling. That's for sure. And then to get out there, you know, and I got a chance to visit with Eric uh, at that time and then see some of the other guys, Golden Cromwell and a few of the other guys. So it was, it was a neat time to be able to, uh, to kind of hang out, you know, with them uh, in L.A. That's great, awesome. man. Awesome. So we got another question um, from Eric Lister. His question is, have you – had a chance to work with the current group of Rams wide receivers? And if so, what do you think? No, I mean, but it's a great group. Um, I worked with Brandon Cook uh, in New Orleans. I was coaching New Orleans when we drafted him. Uh, another guy I had to work with is Josh Reynolds uh, from Texas A&M. Uh, I worked with him at the IMG Academy when he was coming out. And, and working with those two guys, I'll tell you what, it couldn't be a better fit. 
to be in L.A. Uh, with that unit. And it'll run around with Robert Wood, you know, Coop and, and the rest of the guys. The crew remind me of when I was in St. Louis, when I had Isaac and I had Tori, had Isaacim, I had Ricky Pearl. It's the same kind of talent on, on that team. And, and it's just things that is working for them. It's coming together, you know, golf, coming along. And, I mean, and Gurley, you know, like Marshall Falk, and, I mean, it's, it's just a matter of time. They just keep working. The biggest thing, of course, is staying happy. It's going to be the biggest part of it. Uh, if they can do that, they got a chance to, to do some, some, something special. Yeah, I think they so, have the best wide receiving core in the league because if you look at it, Josh Reynolds right now is their fourth wide receiver on the depth chart. And if you compare the fourth wide receiver on the depth chart through all 32 teams, I'm going to tell you right now, Josh Reynolds is the best receiver at that position. Do you agree? I agree, no doubt. The depth that they have, you know, and that's what it's like. It's the neat thing you can tell them uh, because when somebody goes down the next I got to stand up, I mean, step up, that tells you something about the core. And then sure enough, um, when Cooper Hurd went down, of course, Josh stepped in and did a great job. And that's what you got to have if you want to be a good team. It's the consistent depth of, of, of the young guys stepping up and, and being able to keep things going. Yeah, because if you know you're only as good as the guy behind you, injuries we all know take a big toll in the NFL. And the 22 guys yeah. that you start with are not the 22 guys you finish with. A lot of times, I know the Rams have been one of the healthiest teams in the league over the last two years, which has kept them competitive. But losing Cooper Cup was a big, big hit last year. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, special player, you know, you know, especially the chemistry between him and the quarterback, and just. Big volume for a guy like Josh Williams to step up and, and come in and, and keep things moving. So, uh, Henry, I, I know you mentioned Tory Holt and the guys from the, you know, the St. Louis squad. I actually reached out to Tory this morning trying to uh, lure him into our pod. And I mentioned you were going to be on the pod tonight. And he had nothing but glowing things to say about you. And he made me promise that I would send his regards to you for all the time you spent with him teaching him the position. i tell you what, he made my job. He was really like the human uh, I mean, Ricky, uh, I'll tell you what, these guys took a lot of pride in what they did on the practice and took it into a game environment. And like there's a young coach coming in, they just really made it easy for me to, to make that transition. So are you are you are you still coaching right now? Are you still doing uh, high school uh, football in Texas? Yeah, yeah, I'm coaching San Antonio Christian High School here in uh, San Antonio, Texas. Been doing it for the last three years and loving every bit of it. That's awesome. How how, how are they doing, by the way? We're doing all right. Coming along. So you know, small private school numbers is always an issue, especially when you're talking about big big line guys trying to get them to come out and play. But it's been a great experience. The guys give me everything they have, and that's all you can ask for. They're out there working hard, helping each other out, encouraging one another, and that's all you can ask. You know, we haven't had our dream season yet, but it's coming. Hey, that's all, that's all we can dream of. Um, I'm going to pass it back to Tommy and Mark. I know they have some more questions from Rams Twitter. Okay. All right, let's dip in. Um, Mike Winchell um, at MR Mike Winch asks many NFL fans say you are one of the best route runners in NFL history. Who do you think is the current best route runner in the league and what makes him so great? Oh my God. It's, it's a lot of good, 
lot of runners out there. I tell you what, Robert Wood remind me of myself watching him run around because he, he can he can run every route in the book. You know, inside outside doesn't make a difference, and I, and I love to see that. Uh, whole, I mean, Brown, who's now from the Steelers, of course, to the Raiders. He's he's a great route runner. Again, the consistency of how again over and over and over again what they do. Julio Jones. I think for a guy his size, he runs around like a little guy. Uh, it's great transition, great change of direction. And it's a lot of guys out there. Um, but those are the guys that kind of stick out in my mind uh, when I think about it. Uh, and like that, I'm pretty sure I'm losing out on. But, but that's really who jumped out. Robert Woods, when I watched Robert Woods, it's just like I say, it just took me back. It just reminded me of myself and the way he runs his crowd catch the ball in and get down the field. So, so I, I, you know, I'm going to jump off this question. So these great route runners, obviously, Robert Woods, when he was with Buffalo, he was yeah. still a great route runner, but he didn't get the play that he's getting now. How much do you think that route running plays into your stats, or how much does it play into the fact that you have a great quarterback? Yeah, it comes into the offense that you're in. And then the uh, opportunity is given. Uh, I think that's the difference. You know, it's one thing to play in Buffalo, especially in the second half of the season when it gets a little cold compared to playing in Southern California. We don't have to worry about the weather. So that can come into play. But the offense has a lot to do uh, with that and him getting that opportunity to uh, to showcase his talent, you know, uh, by getting the ball being thrown down the field. I think it's a big part of that. Here's another question from... Twitter. This is John Wilson at Mac Juan. His question is, who was your favorite quarterback you took the field with and why? I played with Jim Evers the longest. Uh, you know, and, and I, you know, when Ernie came in and showed up, we brought in Jim, and that's when we really started putting numbers together. So Jim would be my favorite uh, quarterback because we, we racked up some numbers, you know, right along with, of course, across from me, my boy, Flipper Anderson. Helped that situation, kept defenses on as well, along with Aaron Cox that uh, came the same year in 88. Uh, helped balance everything on the, on the offense. I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, and gave me a great opportunity to, to make plays down the field. Another guy that I played with was the uh, Redskins, my first year this, John Freed, who played with San Diego for a number of years. He came and we brought him out the same year. I got there in 94. We drafted East Shula, but he was a young guy, so we needed a veteran guy. And I tell you, the first half of the season, we were lighting it up. We weren't winning many, very many games, but we were putting up some big numbers until they made the change to find decide to go with Heath Shula. So he would be another one of my favorites because, again, uh, we really clicked early on and, and, and did a good thing. Awesome. Uh, we actually have Jim scheduled to come on the podcast next week. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Okay, yeah, instead of him talking about saying hello. I'm hoping to see him out there, but I'm coming out with the, uh, the the Legends uh, reunion there at, on, at training camp. I think it's uh, on the 28th That's or the 29th. Right. I think we're going to be out there. So I'm going to come out there. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. We'll be on the 28th. Me and Mark will be there for sure. So we'll be oh, okay. looking for you, Henry. Okay. We'll be wearing yeah. our Rams Uncensored shirts. Yeah. I'll bring you one, too. How about that? What size shirt okay. you wear? Well, with that being said, with that being said, I have an old LA Rams Henry Eller shirt. Can I give it to the boys? I'm going to be out of town that weekend. I'm going to be in Denver, but can I give it to the boys to get you to autograph it, Henry? Oh, yeah, that's not a problem. Not a problem at all. 
That's beautiful. So we got one more question from the Twitter universe. Uh, Joe Silver Fox Ramirez. Um, his question is, how did you feel uh, when the Rams moved to St. Louis, and how did you react when they returned two decades later? <laughs> I tell you what, yeah, just I like to say leaving L.A. That was, that was a tough one, you know, because I like the coaching in St. Louis. Even though they won the Super Bowl, they just it wasn't the same. Uh, St. Louis baseball town is what St. Louis is, and that's of course why the uh, old. Uh, Cardinals left, football Cardinals left, and ended up on Arizona. You know, I say it was a great run. We had a great time there. It didn't feel like a, a, a football town. It was more of a baseball town. So when they came back, it just was a natural fit for them to come back home and, uh, and, and keep things moving. Of course, uh, bringing in McVay, so it just made a big trade, all the difference in the world. Timing is everything. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what do you think about the AFC overall? Because obviously the NFC is a very competitive conference and we get, you know, almost a new contender against the Patriots every year, three years in a row. We got Atlanta, Philadelphia, and the Los Angeles Rams. Um, yeah. In the AFC, is there anybody with the moves that these teams made that can knock off the Patriots? I know the Chiefs and the Chargers are close, but can somebody please get this done? <laughs> <laughs> they need to, yeah. And the Chiefs probably got the best opportunity. Yeah, you know, they made changes, Cleveland made changes, but again, it's one thing on paper, it's another thing on the field. So time will tell with that situation. But I tell you, you can never rule out New England because they find a way, we all, one season after the next, they can find a way to get it done especially when you talk about the playoffs. So until that's done, I mean, and they have the experience. They've been there. They've done it many a time. Found a way to overcome it. And you can't take that away from them. But you're hoping to see another team finally step up and, and then get that done. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's unbelievable. I don't know if you watched the Super Bowl mic'd up edition. I watched it multiple times just because I like to dive into the chess portion of what they do out there with the coaches. Right. And uh, yes. Bill Belichick was so frustrated, you could tell, right? Because they couldn't do anything on offense either. It was 3-3 going in the fourth quarter. And uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he goes over to Josh McDaniels and his assistant coaches, and he asks them, hey, do you have those 15 plays? And he said, yeah, they're right here. He said, I'll get them out. And that was the 15 plays that yeah. they used to drive down the field to get that touchdown, the only touchdown in the game. So he had something in his back pocket ready yes. if they couldn't get yes. anything done. That's the difference between yeah. Bill Belichick and everybody else, right? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And that, that's what, what gives them the advantage. Like I said, the fact that the, the experience and the fact that they've been there, they've done it time in and time out. And just having the patience and not panic, you know, and, and just doing things at the right time. They're just a great team that makes great adjustments from the first half to the second half. So most teams start with scripted plays, right, Henry? Am I wrong? Like there's the first like 10 to 15 scripted plays in a game for most teams? Right. So with that, what Tommy said, did they have like a script for the end of the game that most teams didn't? Is that what we basically saw with that? No, they just have some plays. Yeah, they just have a way to play the, the game, kind of develop and go along. You have those plays set aside. You say, okay, if we need to get to this, this is what we need to do. 
But let's keep okay. the burning. You know, and that's kind of, again, they, that's the adjustment that they made. They had seen something that put these left to play together and just shot on to them until they said, okay, now we, this is what we need to do. And sure enough, they went out next So, I mean, with that Super Bowl, would you say that McVay just got flat out uh, coached? Well, you can get experience is what it comes down to. The first time there, you know, you're a little, little nervous. I'm pretty sure of it. You know, but like I say, to get there and, and the first time, it, it's just a, it's a great learning experience. Now, when he gets back to it, he, you know, he learned something from it. But just the fact that he got there was, was, a, was something in itself. Don't take that away from him at all. He just had he was up against a better coach that's been there time and time again. <laughs> and I just, you know, that's when experience comes into play. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. What have the Patriots been there, like, freaking 10 to the last freaking 15 years or something like that? <laughs> right. Right. It's crazy. Nine Super it Bowls since 2000. So in 19 years, they've gone to nine Super Bowls, and they've won that, six. That's crazy. That, that's, that's unreal. That's <laughs> that will never happen again in the history of this league. I'm telling no, you. No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. It's crazy. Man, it's so crazy. Oh, man. Yeah, you just got to give credit because, like I say, they can find a way to get it done. It makes me want to hit my head against the wall multiple times, but I feel like it doesn't matter because Tom Brady will be there when he's 80. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Eventually, he's going to slow down so I get to him. Uh, and, as a matter of fact, uh, my first year coaching in singles was 01 when they won that first Super Bowl. Oh, they drove man. down and really kicked the field goal. That was my first year as a coach. I was sick as a dog after that ball went through the upright. I can we all know. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Henry. When you went into that game, I, I, what was that team? 14 and 2 that year? So no, when you went into that game, when you guys went into that game and you, you had already beat them in the regular season, you beat them pretty handily, if right. I remember correctly. Yeah. Did you guys just think that you guys, did you guys think you were just going to mop the floor with them? No, no, we knew that wouldn't be the case just because of who we were playing. We knew it would be a tough okay. game. And, and early on, of course, after the game, of course, they make the rule change when they, they were tugging and grabbing on it and getting away with it. Oh, yeah. You know, afterwards, yeah, afterwards, they end up before changing the rule because of that. But it is what it is. But, no, we, we didn't take them lightly. We knew we, we, knew we were going to have to be on top of our game when we, when we played them, especially uh, that uh, Super Bowl. And, you know, so, like we, we started off slow, but we rallied, you know, in the second half. Ricky Poe, of course, making a touchdown. Uh, get up close, and all of a sudden, you know, with so much time left, you know, they just <laughs> went out of here to kick that field goal. Boy, it's just like, crazy. Oh, that was the beginning of the we let uh, Tom Brady have too much time left on the clock. That was the very first yeah, time it happened. Exactly. And, and from so on and so forth, people just haven't learned their lesson yet. I'll tell you what, it just, yeah. I just, it just, it's amazing. They just find a way to get it done. Yeah. yeah. I swear you signed a deal with the devil. I swear Tom Brady signed a deal with the devil. <laughs> I mean, look at, that, look at that time when he ran the 40 at the combine, and look at him now. Right. Like, he, that's not the same right. dude. That is not the same yeah. dude. It's all that avocado right. ice cream. Right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I got to just going to the right place at the right time, and things just came together for him. 
You know, you know, you think back when Trent Warren and, and Trent Green, when Trent Green went down. Oh, man. The season was over, and then uh, Kurt took that chemo and showed up at Mark Wright when he ran into the Super Bowl and won it. Yep. So that's the neat thing about uh, the NFL. If any given Sunday, you got to go out and play. That is that is absolutely true because you can look at your schedule all you want every year. Like if you look at the Rams schedule this year, it, on paper it looks much quote unquote easier than it did last year. But none of these teams are cakewalks. Okay, they all can play football. Right. They're all professionals, right. and any one of them can beat right. you at any moment. You know. That's right. If you don't show up and play, that's exactly right. That's the neat thing about uh, football because you just never know. And there's only 16 games, so the the magnitude of losing one game is such a big deal. Like if you're watching baseball or basketball, they have hundreds and hundreds oh, of games, right. and you can lose yeah. 10 in a row and still make the playoffs, you know. But in the NFL, that one loss can end your season, you know. Yes. That's why I home. think it's so much more exciting as a, as a sport, and that's why it's the number one sport in the United States because every game counts. Yes. Yeah, and like you said, you have to show up and play. So, Henry, I have one last question, and this comes back to an early question from a Rams Twitter. You know, you got asked about Ernie Zampezi. Well, you were a part of Ernie Zampezi, but you were also part of Mike Bartz. How can you compare those two offenses and those two offensive minds? You know, it just came to my mind right now. Well, Mike, Mike took Bernie uh, brought in. Because Mike, right. uh, I'm trying to think what year was that Mike we were all there together. Uh, when I was still playing, Mike came in. Um, in L.A., just kind of get himself started. But he, he took the uh, Ernie Zampezi offense and, and, and just ran with it. But he's talking about a mastermind. Mike Marks was a, was a genius. He could sit in a, a room by himself and put up a game player. It just blew my mind, you know, how smart he was and just the adjustments he needed to make and things like that. But that's what he, he just took it to another level. Because of the players they had, the Marshall, you know, the Tory, the Ozakin, Ricky Cole, the, the Marshall Falk, the, the Kurt Warner. When you got those kind of talented uh, players, there's a lot of things you can do. You're not limited at all when you got that kind of talent on, on your team. Do you think that losing um, Dick Vermeil, which could have definitely, in my opinion, been the voice of reason as far as personnel was concerned, when Mike took over the team, it seemed like he focused more on the offensive side of the ball and kind of let his defense leave in free agency. Um, the very next year after they won the Super Bowl, they were barely winning games 38-35. to 35. And, and, and the yeah. next offseason, they grabbed a couple of guys like the famous Aeneas Williams, who is one of my favorite players of all yeah. time. But do you think Dick could have yeah. held that down and kept that roster intact and maybe could have been around for much longer and compete for more Super Bowls than they did? I mean, and that's, again, you're talking about experience. Dick has been there uh, time and time again, and that's what he relied on, you know. Uh, and if you say, yeah, this could have happened, you know, and it, but Dick decided to step away from it, and, and, and Mike took over. Did he have experience with Dick? No, he did not. You know, he was under Dick at one point, so he kind of learned from Dick, uh, for sure, but... You just can't replace that experience that they have, you know, from instincts to things like that in, in the game environment, that you, the adjustments that you make. Agreed. Hey, Mark, do you have any yeah. last uh, any last questions for Henry before we let him go? I know it's late over there. I don't want to keep him too long. Yeah, um, I'll, uh, one last thing. Uh, 
as many wider students as you work with over the years, who was your favorite to coach? Like I said, with with I my first uh, gig in St. Louis, when you walk into a room and like I said, you got those four guys sitting there. I mean, you talk yeah. about the depth and, and, and the talent. You, you just, I mean, like working with Brandon Cook at a young age, you know, uh, I enjoyed that time. And knew he had a chance to be a great player because of the way he carried himself. He was business-like. Uh, no doubt. When I was in uh, New York with the Jets, Jericho, Jericho Country, wasn't a fast guy, wasn't a flag, but I'll tell you what, he got it done. He found a way to get it, got it, get it done each and every week. And I enjoyed working, uh, working with him. Um, then all different places, you know, and I just was blessed to have a good group wherever I, I'd gone to, from St. Louis to New York with the Jets and then on to New Orleans. Uh, Marcus Coaster in, uh, in New Orleans, I tell you what, you're talking about a true gentleman. I mean, and, and just went out and did his thing. Didn't say a whole lot, just went out and say. And I, and I enjoyed that. I, I really uh, respected each and every one of those guys. We appreciate you coming on tonight. We're looking forward to meeting you in person. Yes, thank you so much, Henry. Once again, you're awesome. Uh, you, you're welcome. Not a problem. Welcome to Ramzone Centered. All good. So, what's up, boys? Should we do? Should we? Should we get into this? Should we talk about this stupid GoFundMe account that uh, Alexis put up trying to go to a Rams game? You know, I talked to my wife about this because I thought that was just crazy. Like, come on. I mean, we've talked about this before, right? She was kind of talking about it and hinting at it. And it's just like, like, I get that the Rams Twitter did something. Bait did something for Sosa last year. But, you know, that's that's something everyone's trying to get behind, right? And, well, yeah, it's just, <laughs> she started a mess, man. Uh, I opened up Twitter and it was hilarious. Well, I mean, the the big difference between what happened with Sosa last year and what she did was, you know, Wags went out and did it as a secret, as a surprise for Sosa. He had no clue that people were actually going out and raising money for him to come to a game. She just went out of her way and said, hey, guys, please pay for me to go to a game. (laughs) The big Uh, difference. She's still got some growing up to do. It's all right, though. If I remember correctly, I think somebody did one during, like, right before the Super Bowl so that way they could go to the game. I don't know if you guys remember that. It was somebody on the timeline, and I think he got... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it was... Uh, fuck, is it that Sergi guy, I think? No, it wasn't him. Somebody did it. I saw it, but it was kind of a joke, and no one really did anything for it. I, mean, I get I get what she's trying to do, right? Like, I remember a kid doing it when the Cubs were back in the World Series a few years ago, and people just happened to give them a few pennies just, like, as a joke, and they just understood, you know, like, like the Cubs, it was their first time in the World Series in, like, what, over 100, and, 100 years or something like that? So, I mean, like, I get the sentiment and what she was trying to do, but, yeah, she should have she should have gone with her initial thought process, like she was saying, man. Well... Let's also be honest. The Super Bowl and the regular season game are two different things. Right. A regular season game, you can get a ticket for under $100, and all you have to do is fly and get a hotel. It's not very much money if you really think about it in the grand scheme. The Super Bowl, on the other hand, was like the, the lowest ticket was like $3,000. God knows what the hotels were going for and the flights to go to Atlanta. That's right. a whole nother ball. 
And it's the Super Bowl. That's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So, do you guys think uh, downtown Rams is going to take a hit at all? Well, I mean, have you seen freaking Ellen Bogan's little fucking things? Like, we're not going away. We're not sorry about this. I know. It's it's just awkward. He shouldn't have gotten involved at all. He made things worse. If anything, he should have been the one to post it for her. He he should have been the one to post it for her. Right, right. Yeah. And then it wouldn't been a big. It wouldn't have been as big of a deal. It'd have been like, hey, I would really like to take care of this girl. I don't have the money to send her, but you know, she worked really hard for me. It would be a great thing. Right. Exactly. See, that's something all the yeah, or even behind. from the downtown Rams account. Maybe not from Jake personally. That's what that's right. well, that's that's right. what I'm saying though. Like in general, oh, like okay. right. it needs to come yeah. from somebody else. You can't just put a GoFundMe up for yourself for your own fun and not you know. Or you can, but you you can't do it and not expect to get backlash. That's all. Right. Yeah. Tommy. Yeah, like, Tommy. Like, what? Like, Tommy. What are your thoughts on this? I was just being out Tommy. Of I had a feeling. I was like, you got really quiet. <laughs> and I, I kind of heard a draft coming through the line. Trust me, I was on mute. <laughs> it would have been some great material. <laughs> it kind of made, it, it made me thirsty, Tommy. I mean, something about that, like, green jizz butter coming out of your ass just makes me thirsty. <laughs> you just need to stop talking about that. That's Your descriptions are too, uh, just too accurate right now, man. Dude, Julie just, looked at, Julie just looked at me and more. said, you're disgusting. <laughs> you really are. It was more like dragon wow. juice. Oh God! There we go, Dragon Juice. Dragon Juice. Hey, hey! After all, this is Rams Uncensored, right, guys? That's right. Rams Uncensored. Just saying. Just saying. So, Tommy, what were your thoughts on this? You know, other than you were peeing out your butthole. Um, I actually talked to Alexis today privately about it. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. She she knows it was a bad move. It seemed like there were people that were egging her on to do it, and she was apprehensive, and she did it and regretted it immediately, and that was basically it. You live in your well, I, I guess that's why I didn't pile on her too much. I, I just said one real quick comment and said it's a good teaching moment. <laughs> you know, Yeah, as much as everyone was piling on her, I kind of – played devil's advocate and was like hey i uh i feel for you <laughs> i mean anybody would have got hammered because she's like it seems like i always get hammered on on everything by everyone and i was like to be honest with you if any one of us would have pulled that today any one of us would have got hammered nobody singled you out because it was you it was because of the situation you understand that right and she was like no that makes sense so well, also on top of it, the fact of her affiliation with downtown Rams and the uh, reputation that they have seemed to build over the last couple of years did not help the situation either. Right. Yeah. By association. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. That's definitely a possibility. I just felt bad for for someone who has four sisters and three younger sisters. I kind of didn't want to pile on it today. Does that make sense? No, yeah. Yeah, I get it. I didn't say anything. And yeah, Brian, you bring up that you kind of didn't say too, too much. But it was funny when when Jake 
posted that toxic thing about people being toxic on Twitter. For some reason, I was just like, damn, some people are probably in their DMs talking about Brian right now saying that he's a piece of shit. What did I do? Yeah. <laughs> you, I just, you just start shit all the time, man. I, think, I know. <laughs> I don't think Jake was talking about Brian this time, though. No, right. Exactly. Yeah, it's just funny. No, he was talking about bait. Yeah, he, he was, was talking about bait. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, Brandon, I've actually been. Go ahead. Brandon this afternoon actually apologized to her. So. Right. He did. Yeah, he did. I mean, and. No, the, the godlike, uh, the godlike figure apologized. No, he sure did. Yeah, it was, nice was poetic. Too. It was very poetic. <laughs> oh man. <sighs> Look, yeah, I've actually been day, kind of quiet on Twitter. At the end of the day, it was a bad move. I think everybody knows it, including her. Um, and she bit the bullet. It is what it is. Yeah, I'm um, no longer be doing my GoFundMe because of it. <laughs> The beer one, but I, I, I like the beer one because we should do it because of the Coliseum beers are so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> the beer, the beer one was great. Yeah, who put, who put that? Was that Chris? Uh, uh, Charles. Chris? Charles. 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 Yeah, Charles. Yeah. Did, dude, did you see funny. that? I, did Did you see that? Did you see that I posted under it? I can make your dreams happen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and that's a fact too. Uh huh. I I am kind of a beer go fund me. I could I could make it happen. You got the connects, Brian. Uh, you know, I I might have access to a little bit of beer, just a little. <laughs> yeah, you have so much access to beer. We still have some of your beer here. Oh, I'm sure you do. Are you enjoying it? I haven't drank a beer since Father's Day. Dude, you're going to need one after tomorrow. Yeah, I'm not a solo drinker, man. I, I'm a social drinker. I can't drink unless I'm hanging out with people. Well, nobody in my house drinks. So, I'm kind of screwed. Dude, it's it's time to get your wife on the booze, bro. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. <laughs> She's uh, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. My wife likes that, uh, that rum and Dr. Pepper, man. W- likes what and Dr. Pepper? Captain Morgan rum. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with that? Dude, you guys drink like you're like 22-year-olds. <laughs> I don't drink it. I don't drink. You know me. They I are. Know, I know you don't. <laughs> They are in their 20s. <laughs> I know, I know. That's why I started laughing. I was like, that's like a 22-year-old drink. What, what should that's I be drinking? What do you suggest I should be drinking if it's a mixed drink? I no, suggest beer, you get yourself a, a nice... An old-fashioned... Yeah, I was going to say, get yourself a nice fucking bottle of fucking whiskey. Get a little bit of simple syrup and some bitters, mix it up, and make yourself an old-fashioned motherfucker. That actually sounds pretty good. It is really good. I'll have to go look up some uh, YouTube tutorial videos and, and whip some You don't need a YouTube tutorial, dude. Literally, go get a fucking ice cube, <laughs> use a shot of fucking whiskey, 
use less than an ounce of fucking simple syrup and a few dashes of bitters and stir it. Come on, you don't. That know, is a fucking old fashioned. You don't know us millennials by now, man. I, I still got to look that up and make sure I'm doing it right. I just told you how to do it. <laughs> I used to bartend, motherfucker. Oh, well, see, you're a bartender. I, I like. I forgot all the things you said right now, man. Other than the whiskey and the ice cube. <laughs> whiskey, ice cube, simple syrup, bitters. I don't even know what bitters are, man. What is that? You know that little <laughs> bottle that you shake? It's called Agnostura Bitters. It comes out like a little squirt. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, go get a bottle of that. Get yourself a nice whiskey. They got find that some simple syrup and put less, than an ounce, put less than an ounce of sugar in there. Maybe right. a half ounce. All right, all right, all right. I'll probably go do that tonight. It's the most simple drink you can make, and it's good. But make sure you get a good bourbon. Didn't you say you were you were drinking those last night? Uh, yes, I was. I was drinking a lot of things last night. <laughs> I I, also, I actually had a white old fashioned, which is a mezcal old fashioned last night, along with a regular old fashioned, along with some other things. Have you had a white Russian? Because I know of that drink from the Big Lebowski, and those look pretty yummy, man. I was gonna say, are you are you, are you the dude or what? <laughs> Dude. No, that's rough. Yes, I've, I've definitely had a white Russian, and no, that is not my drink of choice. Who the fuck drinks a fucking alcoholic drink with milk? <laughs> it tastes good, but it gives you heartburn. Really? It'll give you what Tommy's got right now, the shit. Uh... <laughs> hey, you know what we learned about Brian last night? That he's not an angry drunk. He's he's mediator. He is like counselor, uh, uh, psychologist. No, he's okay, like me. So... The more he drinks, the nicer he gets. We're, when we're sober is when we're assholes. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Right? You know, some people get liquid courage, but me and Brian are the opposite. We'll beat your ass when we're sober. But the more we drink, we're like, hey, buddy, to everybody. <laughs> I used to, so when I was in my 20s, when I used to drink a little bit too much, I used to just think people were staring at me and I used to start fights. What? And they'd be like, they would just be like watching the TV or something. I'm like, what are you looking at, motherfucker? Brian, you're a wild card, man. <laughs> you want to go? I know where you live, motherfucker. Oh, man. No, so, so seriously, like in my, in my Air Force times, guys, dude, uh, when I was in Texas, like going through my like training and whatnot, there's not one bar I didn't get kicked out of. Not one. And I'm talking, it was a nightly occurrence. I got kicked out of every single fucking bar, and it was usually for getting a fight with a bouncer. Damn. So you were a womanizer and in the Air Force, and you were going around just tearing up and painting the town red, man? Uh, something like that. And then the only way you could calm me down is my friends would steal my phone from me and call my mom in the middle of the night and hand me my phone, and I'd be like, hey, mom, I'm pissed. I want to kill somebody. <laughs> oh, my God. Dang. <laughs> yeah, my poor mom. My poor mom. She sounds like a nice lady, man. <laughs> yeah, I think you told us this story at the barbecue. I probably did. You know, Matt wouldn't know because Matt doesn't show up to these functions. Matt doesn't do a lot of things. So, speaking of which, boys, should we do our weekly call to Cody? 
Yep. Let's do it. Get it done. Question is, so the last two weeks, I have not left the voicemail. Should Mark or Tommy leave it this week? I don't know. You haven't done it in two weeks, so maybe you should sharpen up your skills. I mean, and, I mean, I mean, according to Cody, he doesn't listen to him anyways. So I'm just saying. I don't think we're getting a yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Fine. I'll, I'll, you should I'll, go for I'll, it, Brian. All right. That's fine. I will leave a fucking message. Dial in the number are right now. Wireless? Are we on Cricket Wireless or are we sponsoring Cricket Retain? What's going on? <laughs> well, right now we're about to be making a phone call, so I guess it's Cricket Wireless today. Right now, I feel my pre-workout kicking in, and I'm about ready to go to the gym and fucking rage. All right, here we go. Then here's the call. You have reached the voicemail box. Hi, Cody. This is True Maine calling from the L.A. Rams. We are calling because we have received notice that you put up a GoFundMe to go to the Rams games versus the Saints. We would like to let you know that you have been selected to go to the game be on field before the game, but you must call us back within 15 minutes. Cody, do not miss your opportunity to go to the Rams versus Saints game. Sitting sideline. Cody, go fuck yourself, motherfucker. I know where you live. I'm in the cornfield, you little piece of shit. Rams is answered. Rams is answered. Dude, I almost died right now. That was so good. <laughs> He's over there flying on Twitter that he's making like seven G's. I was just like, dude, I have to incorporate the fucking uh, the GoFundMe. Why not? <laughs> that was a good little, uh, nice little sprinkle. Remember that? All right. When he was so, that stack? Remember when he was splashing that stack of money like a while back? And I oh, yeah. him on Twitter. I was like, hey, man, did you get your grandma's inheritance money? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fucking guy. He's probably at work fucking depositing fucking money for his fucking employer. Is that what he does? Ask him about hiring at Chuck E. C's next time you call. <laughs> there you go. Now you know what voicemail you can leave. <laughs> oh, Did you just say counting the till at Chuck E. Cheese? No, I was just curious counting. who they were hiring. That's where I assumed he works. Oh, you know, he, he, he just seems like a buffalo wild. He works at the counter where they take the tickets, you know, for the little toys and shit. <laughs> it, you know, he kind of strikes me as the guy that works at the county fair, like in the carnival. <laughs> and he sprays Pam on the plate so the fucking quarters don't stick. <laughs> He, you know, my other thought was maybe he works at Hot Dog on a Stick and he has that cute hat. I only thought they let yeah. girls work there. He's the one that's stomping the lemonade in the little tub, stomping the lemonade <laughs> out like an old lady in Italy and stomping the grapes and shit. Exactly. <laughs> He's the one that puts exactly. the, the powder on the funnel cake. Oh, God. <laughs> wait, wait. They sell funnel cakes at... at, at... Hot dog on a stick? No. That no, I don't in general, don't they? Yeah. Oh, oh okay. My fat Cody ass. Was actually, I, hear, I hear funnel cake. You, yeah, know. you got a little excited there, Matt. 
Jesus. I got excited. I haven't eaten any food since yesterday. I'm hungry as shit. Right <laughs> Damn. Now. Damn. Ooh. Matt's going to go to San Maria and do some tri-tip tomorrow. Dude, I peed out of my butt good earlier. I could have sprayed it like a like a fucking like one of those uh, super soakers. <laughs> oh, fuck man, that's you exciting. were just painting that's the toilet. Exciting. Painting that motherfucker, stained it. Oh, no. Hopefully, you didn't paint it red. No, no. <laughs> that's why we're going tomorrow to make sure that you know I'm not painting it red. Beautiful. All right, guys. Do we have anything else today? Well, do you want me to get my second session live on the air? <laughs> oh my god! I mean, I mean, I kind of want to hear just a big squirt, and then we can go <laughs> and give no, no. people talk shit. Ready? He's about to rip. Oh, if he, in three, two, one. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Sounds like you got oh, some chunks god. in there. I can't breathe. <laughs> people like to. Just hear people fucking talk shit. <laughs> you can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.